0: Thank uh-huh. you. Aren't you glad to be at church today? Man, I'm glad you guys are here. We're in the final installment of a series we titled Slay. Uh, how do we accomplish right the, the, what we know to be the, the purpose and plan of God? for our life this year. Maybe you've uh, tuned with us you've online or maybe you've been here with us all month long. Week one, we talked about how do we do that financially. You know, the Bible talks more about finances than it does any other thing. Uh, how do we steward our resource in a way that honors God? How do we do it physically? Week two, we talked about that, my physical body. You know, uh, many of y'all, come on, we only get one of these things. And I mean, and, and we get sometimes... You know, we get new knees and hips and stuff like that. I get all that, but but one life, one body. And how do we honor God with our physical body? And then last week um, we talked about how do we how do we slay mentally? That's a I honestly, I think that's probably one of the most important messages we will have preached all year long. Uh, Pastor Brandon was here last week, spoke, and uh, I spoke at the last campus. But I'd encourage you to log on, cultivatechurch.tv, uh, the church app. You can do it there. If you've not listened to that, I promise you, you'll never regret it. Uh, it'll it'll be a help to you uh, as you walk out this thing called life. And we like to say it this way, discover what it means to live your life on earth. Purpose on purpose. Today's the final day of 21 days of prayer and fasting. Come on, you made it, you made it. Some of y'all are like, no, I didn't make it, man. I, no, I didn't make it. <laughs> Come on, I've been there with you. We've been it. We, but we're here. We're at the end. Tonight is uh, six o'clock. Tonight we're gonna finish up together as a church. 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, a night of worship. They're always incredibly powerful. I would encourage you, if you've got plans, cancel those plans. Be here tonight. Get here early. Both campuses are going to be here. It's going to be uh, an incredibly powerful night of worship. We're just going to lift up the name of Jesus together, all right? It's going to be a powerful night. Make sure you're here. And if you got your notes, go ahead and pull those out. We're going to dive into today's message. How do we slay spiritually? Can I submit to you um, a reality? That, really, you, could, you can slay this year financially. You know, the best year you've ever had financially. You know, the best year you've ever had physically. Y'all might, somebody in here is going to see an ab this year. <laughs> You're going to make it happen. And you, you, evenly, you even could get there mentally in some way. But if we win in every area of our life, yet we lose spiritually, what's it matter? Jesus said it this way. What does it profit a man to gain the world but lose his soul? What does it matter? It doesn't matter unless I can slay, unless I can win spiritually. So what does that look like? Well, our theme verse says it this way in Ephesians 3.20. It says, now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine. One translation says, ask, think, or imagine. According to his power that's at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I love that passage of scripture. It's one of my favorite passages in all of the Bible. And many of you can probably, you've heard it or somebody's quoted it. You've seen it somewhere. Most of us stop at the very beginning to him who is able to do anything we ask, think, or imagine. We love that part, but we always seem to kind of leave out according to his power that's at work within us. God desires, hey, we talked about it just a second ago, Matthew 12, uh, it says that, hey, it brings the Father great joy to give us the kingdom. Like he wants to, it's a desire, he can do anything, there's nothing he can't do. But if we're honest, we would ask ourselves this question, well, how much of the power of God is actually at work within my life? How much, how, how, how much have I allowed the Father, the power of the Holy Spirit to be present in my everyday life, in my marriage in my career, in my relationships, how much of authority have I given God? Or has it been, man, I, I you know, especially here in, in culture, in our culture in Southern America, it's really easy. It's kind of a popular thing to call yourself a Christian, except actually not live it out. Like it didn't look that way. Jesus said, you know what Jesus said, y'all? Uh, we don't, we don't, it's almost like we forget this in Alabama. He never said in the Bible that Christians will be known by what you call them. He never said that. He said, you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by the action, by the life that they live out. And I tell you something that's going to be alarming to some of us? I don't care if you call yourself a Christian. If you ain't living it out, well, Jesus is going to say one day, I didn't know you. I didn't know who you were. You called yourself that, but you weren't that. It's a false label. And today I want to help us walk this thing out in our life? How do I get there? How do I win spiritually? In 2019, Forbes magazine released a study that presented really, really convincing data that, uh, that a strong faith life is not just healthy, but like really, really healthy for most people. They, they released a study in that magazine of, uh, uh, of Mayo Clinic. They concluded this in, in their study, that most studies that we've seen have shown That religious involvement and spirituality are associated with better health outcomes, greater longevity in life, coping skills, health related quality of life, even overcoming and surviving terminal illness. They have less anxiety, they have less depression, and there's less suicide among people who are authentically involved and actively participating in their faith. We just live better lives. It really is. Now, that doesn't mean easy. Nothing in this study, nothing I will ever tell you, nothing in the Word of God says, I'm trusting Jesus, so life is easy. None of that. But it does say that though "Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. He's with me. We're not by ourselves. We have something the rest of the world doesn't have. So what does it look like for me to slay spiritually? I believe this. There's some principles I want to share with you through the life of... um, At first, it's going to be Abram. Then we're going to see Abraham. And we're going to see some things that I believe he had to learn in his own faith journey that made all the difference in his life. And I think it can make a difference in ours, all right? So let's pray together, and we'll dive in. Father, we love you. Man, we're grateful for your word today, that it's alive and breathing. We believe it's not just a book. It's not just some ancient literature. But today, we believe it's relevant for us Only through scripture, only through your word are you, Holy Spirit, allowed to meet us where we are in all of our walks of life. Only in a room like this with so many people coming from every kind of background can you speak to us all right where we are. And so, Holy Spirit, we pray that you do that. Today, we walk out of this place inspired to live our life on purpose in a way that honors you. You'll get all the honor for it, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you ready? All right. Number one, write this down. Take notes. You're going to remember 80% of the things you write down. I want you to hear it today. I want you to know it. It's going to require, if we're going to re-slay spiritually, it's going to require some obedience. Obedience. Now, as a parent, that's a word I love for my kids. We don't always love it for ourselves, do we? Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> Ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do. My kids are gonna, I'm gonna tell them what to do, right? Like, listen to what the Bible says. Uh, and it tells Abram in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 through 5. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land I'll show you. I'm gonna make you into a great nation. I'm gonna bless you and make you famous. You're going to be a blessing to others, and I'll bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of the families of the earth will be blessed through you. I love this. This is every parent's dream. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed. <laughs> come on, isn't that? Come on, every, every parent dreams. of. I just gave them instruction, and they just did it. There was no argument. There was no why, but why? They just did it. They just got up and did it. It says, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife, his nephew, all of his wealth, his livestock, and all of the people he had taken into his household at Haran, and he headed to the land of Canaan. Y'all, he didn't, there was no scouting report. What does it say? He got up the next day, he took everything. They sold everything. No turning back, complete obedience. Like he obeyed the Lord. Here's the reality. That's something that his father seemingly failed to do. You can read it in, Hebrews, I mean in Genesis chapter 11. You see where it actually begins the story of Abram. It says this in Hebrews, in Hebrews. In Genesis chapter 11, it says, One day, Terah took his son Abram, his daughter-in-law, his grandson, moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan. Here it is. But they stopped at Haran and settled there. There lived for 205 years, and he died while he was still inherent. To me, that's one of the saddest passages of Scripture in the Bible. Because it's clear, because we see, I've always read Genesis 12 and saw Abraham with this man of such great faith. I mean, God didn't even tell him, I'm going to tell you a land, I'm just going to tell you where to stop. You just get up and go. And he blindly followed God. But that's not what the text says, is it? It says he took his family, took everything, and he headed out what? For the land of Canaan. Now, you can't tell me that that's some kind of coincidence. That 205 years, that hundreds of all of these years ago, that his father was headed to that same land. But he settled. But he settled for something less than. He settled for something less than the ultimate promise. And it had to be like he had to wait until he passed. And it doesn't say that, it said that he he died while he was still where he settled. He didn't fully follow through in complete obedience. Yet Abram gets up, takes everybody, and of all the things you would think, okay, he's just kind of headed, he's going to listen to God. No, no, no. If he had had a GPS, he typed it in. We're going to the land of Canaan. Enter. That's where they're headed. And it doesn't say that they settled there. If you read the text a couple verses down, it says that they went all the way there. Like they fully obeyed God. Terah settled. I believe, it doesn't say this in the text, but I I think we can conclude because of what we read. I believe the father of many nations was never meant to be Abram. I think it was meant to be his father. But he settled. He stopped. He stopped short of God's ultimate purpose for his life. I think that happens to us. I think that's a true reality for many of our lives. Come on, we started strong this year. 2022 started strong. Somewhere over the last couple of weeks, we messed it up, right? Statistically speaking, whether you want to call it a New Year's resolution or new goals or whatever you want to call it, statistically speaking, uh, today, all of us, most of us, the vast majority of us have already failed miserably at those goals. Most of us have already come to a point where you go, well, I'll just try again next year. We're already there. Started out strong, but we've settled somewhere along the way. Finishing up 21 days of prayer and fasting. Some of us along the way in this 21 days said, well, there's always next year. Give it a shot next year, right? I'll delete my social media next year. I'll, I'll try something out next year. I got 12 months to try to figure it out. Your career started strong, but somewhere along the way, you settled. You made some, you made some decisions. Now you find your time, like you're stealing from your employer. You've joined in the culture of this silent quitting. I'm going to do the least I can with what I've got to not have to do anything else. You've settled. Your marriage, man, it started out strong. You started out, man, we're never going to, man, we're not going to be like everybody else. We're not going to be a statistic. It's going to be happily ever after. Y'all know I've never, I've never counseled with a young couple that's getting married that said, yeah, we may make it six months. We're going to give it a shot. No, never. Everybody always starts out strong. I think Tara started out strong. I think he, on his way, found something that was somewhat comfortable and said, will, eh, this will do. But he missed the greatness of God in his settling. Like how many of us have started out somewhere and we've just settled along the way? We, right now, you know, right now in your mind, you know where you settled. You know that you settled in this relationship. You know that you settled in this place in your personal health. You know that you settled in this place in your career. I knew when I was 13 years old that God had called me into ministry. Without a doubt in my mind, there was no doubt I can take you back to the moment, the place where I was in my parents' house, in my bedroom, where I felt the Spirit of God call me into ministry. Like there's no doubt in my mind. I go through high school and I know where I like I knew God had called me to hey Brandon you you know you need to go like, you learn some things. You're, you know, I, We grew up in a KJV-only church. Um, I read the best of my ability with all I could, that King James Version Bible. But I'm going to tell you, at 13 years old, it's a lot hard to understand <laughs> what you're reading. At 13 years old, with all the these and thous and King's language, okay? Uh, so at 13, I, I, I did the best I could with what I had, but I needed to learn some things. And I knew that I needed to go to, uh, to Bible college, and God had called me. It's not for everybody. I knew it was for me. Y'all know what I did right out of high school? I didn't go to Bible college. I decided, man, I got to have a job. I need to figure out something. Like, I don't know how that's going to work out. So I, I, went to, uh, I went to another college in which I lasted mm, about 36 hours. They told me, I got in the first class, and I said, this was the greatest mistake of my life. <laughs> so I quit, and they said, you were the quickest dropout that ever came through our school. <laughs> that, was the, that was the dumbest couple of thousand dollars that I ever spent in my life. Knew, I, knew, knew what I needed to do. Knew that I was settling dropped out, stopped, went to my house, went and told my parents, God's called me the ministry, I can't do that, I'm going to Bible college. They're like, Bible college? Hey, that's real expensive, and how's it going to pay? But I did, and I went, and I, and I did what God called me to do. I'm, as we speak, I'm about to be 39 years old. I'll have a master's degree, and uh, by the end of this next year, I will have completed all of the things that I knew God called me to do when I was 18 and 19 years old, but I settled. I settled. I'm going to be honest with you, I settled. But you know what, can I tell you something today? God's calling us to obey, and just because we settle doesn't mean that you can't just pick back up and start again. Okay? Here's what happened. Here's what I really do believe happened. I believe Tara, at some point along the way, after he had settled, I think he looked around and realized that, man, I've had, I've had some kids, I've, had, I've got all of these. It's just too much to pick back up and start again. There's just too much. There's too many animals, there's too much livestock, there's too much stuff. I'm just going to stay here. I settled. Well, the Bible says that Abram, it says that he took everything his nephew, all of his wealth, his livestock, all of the people that he had taken in. There was a moment in which he said, It's gonna be hard, but I'm gonna keep on going. I'm not gonna stop. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you've settled, and in your mind you think, We've just gone too far. I'm just gonna settle for what it is. Can I tell you today? Can I beg you today? Don't settle. Don't settle in your marriage. Don't settle in your career. Don't settle in your life. Don't settle for anything less than the purpose and plan of God for your life. You'll never regret picking up and moving on out to where God's calling you and what he's calling you to do. He's going to require some obedience in your life. Here's what I've learned in my faith journey. Partial obedience, y'all know what it is? It's disobedience. It's disobedience. What's he telling you to do in your life right now? That you need to pick back up and start over. You need to pick back up and try again. Number two, it's gonna require some patience. One thing that most of us don't have. Right? It's gonna require some patience. He tells he talks to Abraham in, in Genesis 15. He, the Lord told him, No, 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 your servant's not gonna be your heir. Abraham's talking back and forth with God. He said, Man, God, you've blessed me with all these things, but I don't have anybody to leave it to. Let it be my servant. God said, Nope, it's not gonna be your servant. You will have a son of your own, and he will be your heir. And that's Genesis chapter 15. And you would think, okay, man, he's got that. The Lord told him it was plain as day. Chapter 16, verse (laughs) 2. Verse 2 of the next chapter. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord's prevented me from having children. So take my what? Servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And here's here's where it's crazy. So he agreed with her proposal. Hey, y'all, God just told him, it's not going to be your servant. He just told him to be patient. He just told him, wait on me. This is so huge because I think many of us are in a place in our life in which we think, I, just, I must have missed God. I thought it was supposed to be this way. I thought this marriage was going to be this. I thought this career was going to be this. But here we are, and it's a mess. Here's the reality we, like he, we're settling for knockoff promises. God said, be patient. It's not going to be your servant. And so many of us have taken a servant. So many of us have put it in our own hands. In our impatience, we've, we've taken the driver's seat. We're doing, hey, God promised me. I, I just felt like, man, I knew that he wanted me to be married. So I rushed it. I, I heard a message this past week. I read a, a, an article. Uh, a pastor, he said this. He said, it was, the right, it, was, the, it, was it, it was the right seed, but it was the wrong womb. So I see the promise was there, but he rushed it. I know this is the career. I know this is the area God's pointing in my life, but I don't want to wait the time it's going to take, so I rush it. I know, I mean, I really do feel like God wants me to be in a relationship, but, man, it's just not happening in that timing, so I'm rushing it. And, man, you're in a relationship right now that is a train wreck because you rushed God, because you're rushing God. Abraham was 75 when God promised him a son. Y'all know how old he was when that promise actually happened? 100 years old. 25 years he waited on God. Somewhere around that 10-year mark is where he got impatient with God. Some of us go, man, I don't know. Some of us have been waiting months, and we're impatient. Some of us, you're like, 25 years he waited on God. And here's what I know. Some of you are in a place in your life where you're asking God, What's happening? What the heck? What's going on? Why is there so much chaos in my life right now? Can I give you the answer? Are you ready for it? You're impatient. You're rushing things. You're getting ahead of the power and presence of God in your life, and it's chaos, and it's making a mess of things. And y'all know that same exact thing happened to him. The Bible talks about Ishmael, the son that was born of that mistake, out of that rushing the presence of God, rushing the promise of God. God said, hey, Ishmael, forever, for all of the days of your life, you will live in contempt With your relatives. A mistake. A moment of impatience. Led to a lifetime of contentment. Led to a lifetime of chaos. In Abraham's life. Why? Because he lost patience. In waiting on God. Can I tell you today. Maybe today you can say. Today is the day. I'm just going to start being patient. Patient. I'm going to wait on God. I'm going to wait on God. Isaiah 40.31 says it this way. Those that wait on the Lord. Wait on him. Those that wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They'll mount on like wings of eagles. They'll walk and not faint. They'll run and not grow weary. Those that what? Wait on the Lord. Can I tell you? Listen to me. There ain't a soul in here going to rush the hand of God. Not a soul. Ain't nobody in here strong enough, powerful enough, good enough, holy enough, righteous enough to rush the plan and purpose of God. If it's God today, it's God tomorrow. You will not rush him. Wait on the Lord. Wait on him. It's going to take consistency. Number three, we we're gonna have to be consistent in our faith. Sometime later in chapter 22, we see it. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Here's what I love about this. We see that Ishmael was born out of impatience. But here's what's cool about it. God still, God still fulfilled his promise in spite of him. He still did. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. God called, and yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Okay, God. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on the mountains, which I will show you. Verse 3, here it is. The next morning, Abraham got up early, saddled his donkey, took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped the wood for the fire of a burnt offering, set out for the place that God had told him about. On the third day's journey, Abraham looked up, saw the place in the distance. He said, hey, y'all stay here with the donkey, Abraham. He said, he told his servants, he said, the boy and I are going to travel a little further. We're going to worship there, and we're going to come back. Now, that don't make any sense. That don't make any sense because we just read. What did God say? He tested his faith. He said, I want you to take your only son, the thing you you love most in this world, and I want you to lay it down on an altar and sacrifice it to me. And then Abraham takes them. He says he did. Takes them, no questions asked. And then they get to the point where they're about to happen. He said, hey, we're going to go on over there and we're going to be coming back. That makes no sense. Here's what I've learned. Somewhere along the way, somewhere between chapter 15 and chapter 22, Abraham learned just to trust the process. Abraham stopped questioning God. Abraham stopped wondering, well, what about this? Or what about that? Or what about this? Or what about this scenario? And overthinking every little move and every little thing. Abraham stopped doing it. He just said, okay. Hebrews eleven nineteen 19 said this. Gives us a little insight. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac had died, that God was able to bring him back to life. He just recognized somewhere along the way, I'm just going to trust God. Come hell or high water, I'm just going to take one step in front of the other. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm just going to do it again. I don't know how Isaac's coming off that mountain with me. All I know is God promised me he would, so we're going to go over there and worship. Somehow I'm going to sacrifice him. Somehow he's coming back to life. I ain't got all that worked out, but I'm just going to trust God. One step in front of the other. Consistency. Trust the process. Trust the process. He reasoned. Right? Like, how many of us get halfway through a circumstance or halfway through a process and go, This ain't working out like I thought? It ain't happening like I thought it was going to happen. I don't got abs yet. I'm six weeks into this diet. I'm starting over. Starting over. My, my savings account doesn't have six figures yet. I just started, I just started a, a budget last month. Right? We don't trust the process. We're too impatient, so we lose consistency. And we don't realize that if it's God today, it's God tomorrow. And man, we make a mess of our life. If it's God today, it's God tomorrow. I'm learning to trust the process. Y'all know everybody stinks at stuff the first time they do it, right? Like all of us. You're always going to be bad at it. Try number one. Can I tell you a secret? You're probably going to be bad at it. Try 100. It just takes a while to trust the process, consistency, precept upon precept, line upon line, step by step, block by block. I remember years ago I started learning how to make uh, homemade knives because we did this thing with our family where we drew names and had to make homemade gifts like we were all, you know, Amish or something. Like (laughs) like it was, and and it's awful. I, I hated it. But I had to learn something, and I was like, "If I make an, I can't make another piece of furniture out of wood. I can't do it, out of uh, out of pallets. If I get another pallet piece of furniture, <laughs> so so I'm learning. I was like, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna learn how to make knives. And y'all, I stunk at it. Like for a long time, it took me a while. Eventually, I got where they looked awesome. They looked pretty good. And I, and I got kind of a niche little thing, and I sold a handful of them. And, and I even made an Instagram, y'all. I got, I, I got some knives on that, on that Instagram, and I was showing people how I was good at making knives. Y'all know what you're not going to see on that Instagram? The first 2,000 that I made that stunk? You know what I mean? You know what you're not going to see on anybody else's Instagram ever? The first 2,000 tries at these things that they look like they got it all together with consistency. One step in front of the other. Somewhere along the way, you will learn what Abraham learned. God, I'm going to trust the process. Here's my question to you today. Think of the thing that's most valuable to you right now in your life. Maybe it is your kids. Maybe it's your career. Maybe it's something in your life. If God told you today, this moment, that's going away. Today, your marriage is going away. Today, your in the blank is going away. Come on, is your faith is your faith where it's at to where you can go? If it's God today, it's God tomorrow. It's, I'm just going to trust God. Can you get to the place in your life where, like Job said, "Hey, you know what? I recognize this. Naked I came in this world, naked. I'll re- naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord." Can I walk it out? Can I walk it out consistently, trusting that God has my best end. Mind, can I do that? Consistency, number four. Uh, this one's tough. It's going to take some persistence. I got to get some grit. I got to get some calluses on my hands. I got to toughen up a little bit. Uh, to me, I don't know if one of them uh, I don't know if there's a toughest or tougher passage of scripture for a man to have to walk through when they arrived at the place where God told him to go. Abraham built an altar, he arranged the wood on it, he tied his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. If you read this story, walking up the mountain after they left the servants, he's walking up, his son carrying the the, the wood for the sacrifice, and he looks around, he goes, hey, hey dad, Just now catching on, you said we're going to go make a sacrifice. Where's that thing at? Starting to put two and two together, you know what I mean? Hey, wait a minute. Abraham said, hey, son, God's going to provide. God's going to provide. And he had to put the thing that mattered most to him in life up on an altar. And the Bible says, in Hebrews chapter 11, you read, it says that actually, he really did receive his son back from the dead. Why? Why? Because though it physically didn't happen, the Bible reminds us that Abraham was at the point of no return. In his heart and in his mind, he said, "Blessed be the name of God. I don't care what happens. In his heart, he had already done it. The Bible says that literally his hand was to the point of the knife, the, he was already sacrificed. It was already done. What in your life have in your life? in your heart, honestly? It's already given to God. God, if you take it away, you're still good. If it legitimately isn't there, you are still good. Because here's the reality. Hey, y'all, it's going to be hard. Life will be hard this year. Man, you ought to be more encouraging. I'm encouraging. Life's going to be hard this year. There will be a curveball that you didn't see coming. Some of you are like, man, last year was really, really tough. Last year was really, man, I hope this year's a little bit. It's going to be hard. You know why? Because the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. It rains on the just and the unjust. Life is hard. It stinks. There are times where we have to lay things at the foot of the cross that we didn't wish we had to lay down. But that's just the reality of life. And God loves us in spite of it. And he's there in spite of it. And He causes all things to work together for the good of the lo- those that love Him, in spite of the hard things we have to walk through. But we're not going to quit. My son Shep, he's six. He's a quitter. <laughs> I mean, he's a quitter quitter. I mean, if it gets hard, it don't matter what it is. If getting socks on in the morning get hard for him, he quits right? I've learned. I mean, I got I, I to gotta toughen that boy up a little bit, right? I mean, socks. He can't even put his socks on without quitting. I mean, he'll just get, get mad and throw them. Life gets hard. But can I tell you this? As me, if you'll just not quit, get back up and try again. Get back up and try again. Though a righteous man falls seven times, what does it say? He gets back up. Get back up. Don't quit. Get some grit, Get some persistence. Get some toughness in your mental capacity, in your heart. God, come hell or high water, whatever you take, I know you're still good. Can I live that out? Can I walk that out? That's what it's going to take to slay spiritually. It's what it's going to take to win spiritually. Abraham did it. The Bible says the, he, God counted it to him as Righteousness. I want to pray with you. Will you bow your heads and close your eyes? Our band's going to come. They're going to play some music. Right where you are, you're, you're at a place in life. I know that there are many of us right now in this room. You're at a place in life where you're struggling with some of this. You're struggling with some obedience. You're struggling with some patience. You're trying to rush God. Maybe you're in here and you did rush God and you're living through some of those consequences. Maybe you're here, life is hard. It's difficult right now. You go, man, if ever, nobody understands, if they would just understand. No, I, I, we get it. Life's hard. Can I tell you what this world needs, though? What your family needs? What this community needs? What this, your sphere of influence? They need some people who come hell or high water. We're going to dig in. We're going to trust God hey, we're going to go to the other side of the mountain. We'll be, back in a, we'll be back in a few hours. I've resolved in my heart that if God takes it, he's strong enough to revive it. That if it goes away, he's strong enough to bring it back. God, it's yours. I'm not going to get impatient. It's not going to be... I know your promise. I know what you're telling me to do. I'm not going to rush you. I'm going to trust God. In the face of sickness... In the face of a broken marriage. In the face of financial struggles. In the face of addiction that you can't seem to walk away from and you keep running back to. It's hard, but I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. Today's the day that I resolve that I don't care what happens this year. I'm not giving up. God's going to see it through. I'm going to see it through with it. Father, we love you. We're thankful for your goodness and your grace over our lives. Now, there's some people in this room right now that are struggling. Now, there's some folks right now I know in this room, if they're honest with themselves, they don't have an authentic relationship with you. Maybe they've carried the the Christian label for some time in their life, but if they survey their life right now, come on, right now you're in this room, right now if that's you, just take a survey. What's the fruit of your life look like right now? I mean, I'm honest with myself. Maybe you're honest with yourself and you go, man, there's no fruit. I don't know. I, there's, there's, really, there's no real authentic relationship with God. Well, maybe you can begin that today. Maybe today could be your day that you obey. That you say, yes, Jesus. Father, forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry I've done it in my own strength and my own ability. I'm so sorry that I've settled in my life. Forgive me of my sin. Jesus, I accept you as my Savior. From this day forward, I'm going to follow you with my life. Thank you for salvation. Father, today I pray for every other person in this room. About people that have maybe trusted you with their life, but somewhere along the way they've settled. Somewhere along the way they've grown impatient. Somewhere along the way that we're just inconsistent with our faith. We're not tough. We're not strong enough yet. God, I pray that you begin to work in us and through us. And today, this year, beginning now, can be the best year of our life spiritually we've ever known. Send revival to our houses. Send revival to our families. Send revival to our marriages. Send revival to our schools. Send revival to this community. Father, do what only you can do through the work of the Holy Spirit. Not by us, God. We submit it all to you. That you would get all the honor and all the glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, church, can you honor him today? Come on, he's worthy.